That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So there are a lot of songs and movies that ask a very fundamental question, what is love? And I'm thinking that some of you might have just had a song pop in your head just with that question, what is love? It's a question, it is a debate, a discussion throughout the ages. Poems, movies, spending all sorts of time. And right here on 1 John 3.16, John gives you the answer. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Now, imagine if you were reading this for the first, you knew very little about the Bible, and you just happened to read that passage, do you recognize right away a challenge? Who is he? It says, this is love. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. You have a challenge to figure out who is he. Now, if you had a Bible, you'd look at 1 John 3, and you try, maybe look at the previous verse and see, okay, where is the, where, where's the noun? Who's the name? I can't find him. You go week back, about another verse. Still can't find a he. Who's he? And so you're looking, and so this is kind of a bit of a challenge. And by the way, some of the translations of your Bibles will try to answer this for you. And they'll say, by this we know, love, that Jesus laid his life down for us. Or that by this we know love that God laid his life down for us. Theologically, that is correct. But it's not actually the text. What you have in your, what you heard today, that is pretty much literal from the Greek. That does not give you who he is. And so what you need to do to figure out who he is, you have to go back well, some of you is not back. You're already there. But go back to when you're sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever, and you had to take language art classes, and you had to learn about pronouns. He is a pronoun, and no, that does not mean he gets paid money. But a pronoun, you know, it is pointing to another noun. And so you got, like I said, you had to figure out where is the noun. Well, the noun's actually not that far away. The noun is love. Love is the noun. By this we know love that he, love, laid down his life for us. So in other words, love is not something you say, it's not something you do. Sorry to that song. It is a person. And actually, if you go a little bit, if you were to read on in 1 John, it would tell you who love is. 1 John will eventually say that famous words, God is love. So yes, it is correct that he is referring to God, but ultimately it's he is love who is God. And by the way, to give even farther, to give you even more identity, 
the gospel lesson for today. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Very similar language. Do any of you notice who wrote the gospel lesson? John. Who wrote that epistle lesson? John. Same guy wrote both of them. And so who is... So he is love, who is God, who is the good shepherd, and who is the good shepherd? The guy that's talking, Jesus... So who is the good shepherd, who is Jesus, lays his life down for us, and can you guess who you are? The picture is a hint. You're the sheep. Jesus, so he who is love, who is God, who is the good shepherd, who is Jesus, laid his life down for you, the sheep. So what does it mean that he lays his life down? I mean, that's a very, again, I mean, does he just, you know, die just because he's bored one day? No, he is laying his life down for sinful, rebellious human beings like you and me, or stupid, stubborn sheep is who he lays his life down for. If you want, if you have any difficulty to see this, just think about this. How many times in the last week did you fail to tell the truth? And I mean even the littlest white lie, how many times did you find yourself lying? Or how many times did you know that you're supposed to, how many times did you fail to constrain your anger? Or how many times did you fail to say something that you know you should have said? How many times in the last week did you man it fail to honor your parents if you are living with your parents? Or, and by the way, you don't just honor your parents, you're supposed to actually also honor your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great... You, you get the idea. Because people don't really realize this. Actually, when you honor traditions, honor things that are passed down, that is actually a way of keeping the fourth commandment. Because think about this. How can you honor your parents and yet fail to honor their parents? You ha in or honoring your parents also means honoring their parents and their parents and their parents... And Etc., etc. And that's not, there are various ways where we sometimes fail to honor our parents. And by the way, the fourth commandment is honoring all authorities. So if you have an employer, if you fail to honor them in their, as their employee, or this one probably a lot of us struggle with, if you fail to honor the governing authority. Fail to pray for them, even the ones you don't like. Scripture, the Apostle Paul commands that we are to pray for and give thanks for those who are in authority over us. So in other words, you are supposed to pray and give thanks for President Joe Biden. And a few months ago, 
President Donald Trump. And if anybody ever says, oh, Paul, you don't know what it's like to deal with corrupt leaders. I'm like, uh, Paul was dealing with the burning bodies of Christians in the streets lit by his governing authorities. And by the way, Paul would be eventually beheaded by that government that he said, give thanks for them. So if you failed in any of those things, you are, those, are, those, are the little, those are all the little sins that are in us. All the sinful nature displayed in our thoughts, in our actions, in our lack of thought, in our inaction. We are born in rebellion, an enemy of God. And so as we were born in that pitiful estate, and the destination for our sinful nature is condemnation, eternal death, our God did not choose the easy part, as the hymn says. He sent forth his Son. So 1 John 3.16, you know John 3.16. And yes, obviously written by the same person. That they landed on the same verse number, somebody was really, really good. Because in case you don't know, the gospel writers did not put in the verse numbers. Those were put in like over a thousand years later. So... So it's kind of cool that they ended up lining up the way they did. But John 3, 16, you know it. Most of you hopefully will know it. God loved this, the world in this way. So God so loved the world that he sent his son, who is God, who is love, who is the good shepherd, who is the Christ, who is the, obviously the son of God. He sent him in order to be born of a virgin, grow up, reject, be rejected, be humiliated, and be nailed to a cross, be, to die, be buried, and on the third day rise from the dead for your sins. That whoever believes in him should not perish, that is, they should not suffer eternal death, but have eternal life. That is what it means that when we say that God, this is love, that he who is love, who is God, who is Jesus, who is the good shepherd, laid down his life for you. You are the one who should have suffered, but he died in your place. He was literally damned for you. That is love. He is love. But you notice the verse goes a little bit farther. It says, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this is where Mark's going to come in. So the reality is that this, is, this part... This reality is something that I imagine one day or another it will be, it's going to become increasingly controversial in our country. In fact, I mean, I know that there are some in our, our government who would consider this belief to be qualifications to not serve for political office. And that is the belief that Jesus is the only way to salvation. 
If you believe what the apostles said at the end of Acts, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In the Gospel of Mark, he says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. See, every single human being is born guilt with the guilt of all of their sins. You are born guilty. When you were brought to the waters of baptism, your guilt is lifted off of you and placed upon the good shepherd. And that is where he is laying it down his life. He is suffering the punishment that is yours. But if somebody says, you know what? I don't need your bleeding sacrifice. I can get by on my own. Or perhaps they might say, well, there's this other guy down, this other God. There is this other person who says they can take care of it for me. Which, by the way, there's only one person that can take care of your sin. But there are many others that people look to. If you choose that, then you stand convicted. Every sin you have ever committed, you are held guilty because you refuse the one cure. There is no salvation outside of Jesus, outside of the Good Shepherd. And the reality is, as in our country, increasingly so, this is not, it is not going to be too long before this is not, and of course it could be debated if it ever was, but it will not be long before we definitely are not a Christian nation. It is by the, by the time, by about, I think it's 2030, Christianity will make up about a third of the U.S. population. The U.S., the non religious will be the largest belief group in this country. They, they already outnumber Catholicism. So you, this past Wednesday, other than spraining an ankle, we brought, I brought our seventh graders to Mission Central. That is now, that's the fifth year in a row that we have done that. And the purpose is to hear about how the church is carrying out the task of loving others. Because there is no greater love than to lay one's life down for another. And the greatest thing that you have... So last night there was a prom, in case any of you didn't notice. There was a dance or something. And if you went on Instagram, you went on Facebook, at least for me, it is filled with photos. The, new, the good news, the, the news of what happened last night, showing them in their, their tuxes, their, their dresses, and everything like that. When there is something that good that happens in your life, you tell people. The gospel, what does the word gospel literally mean? Good 
news. News, by definition, is shared. There is no greater message, no greater truth than that, th that love laid his life down for his sheep, for you. That is a message that you have heard throughout your life. And you are in the midst of a mission field. We went to Mission Central. You heard, we hear about the missionaries going around the world. Over a hundred missionaries at any given time scattered across the planet proclaiming the gospel. And you are the missionaries here. When I was coming back, I was talking to, when I was talking to our seventh graders, because there's some, sometimes our youth who kind of don't attend church as much, I will sometimes get on them. Do you know why I do? There's a reason I do this. Is because especially this year, this year's graduating class is the last class that I did not teach in confirmation. So I have suffered with them. <laughs> right? And when you do that, you learn to love these kids. There's a reason why a pastor is some... In the Bible, the pastor is referred to as father... There's a reason Catholics do this, because a pastor is a spiritual father. When I, when I see our kids not here, my heart hurts. Because I want those kids to receive the most valuable thing in their life that they could possibly receive, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To hear it again and again. And for you to go out, because I guarantee it, there are people you love, you care about, you know, who you know has drifted away from the faith, and you exist in their life for, one pur for a purpose, and that is to share that very same gospel with them. And so I issue a challenge, challenge I gave to the youth on Sunday, I don't know if any of you took it up yet, and it was... And it's a youth a challenge I gave to the seventh graders at Mission Central. This week, I challenge you to ask one person what, this one question. Do you believe in God? And if their answer is yes, your follow-up question is, which God? And if their answer is anything other than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or the triune God, you just found a part of your mission field. And by the way, your next thing is, why don't you come with me on Sunday to church? Or Saturday, if you want to go on Saturday. Invite them. That is my challenge to you this week. To be a witness. To be a witness of the good news to our community. Because the mission field is where you are at. You're the missionary. God shows this is love that he loved God, Je Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the good shepherd, lay his life down for you. And therefore you are called to lay down your pride, your fear, whatever it may be, and proclaim the gospel. And by the way, if anybody tells you that those verses were only told to pastors? No. There's a problem with that, because otherwise then you say, 
Only pastors are saved if they believe and baptize. You get in a big problem. That command right here where it says in Mark, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, that was not just to the apostles. It was not just the pastors. It is to every single Christian. So therefore, go be his witness. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who calls you, saves you, and sends you, keep you in the one true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.